you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's this go. Week, Gone oh, with man. the Bushes takes us to Mississippi. Mississippi. It's hot. It's summer. It's Mississippi in 1958. Oh, so you know that's a fun place to be. Not for your people. <laughs> Not for me. Did we have a final count of the pox this time? The the POCs. The, the, POCs? the people of color. We've decided here on Gone with the Bushes as we take a look at these classic movies of Americana that we're going to we were going to keep like how many black people but we're like come on let's spread it out cuz I'm sure it's not going to affect our numbers that much to include all people of color. So we'll have an official POC count. I did a calculation. Now um I calculated any time I saw a person of color in this movie. Okay, so your count might be a little higher than mine. And then, and then I was, then I realized I was like, wait a second. And then I, so I have two numbers. I have two counts. Okay. Are we just leading off with this? We didn't even say this is cat on a hot tin roof. This is cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> this is funny. They're like, what are you talking? Why are you leading with the how many people call it? What what the hell is going on, people? That's true, but it is gone with the bushes, so yeah. we care about people of color. So it, it pardoned us. So it's Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, 1958, um, directed by Richard Brooks. It's based on the Pulitzer-winning stage play by Tennessee Williams. Uh, you may know him as also writing uh, Streetcar Named Desire. Um, so Richard Brooks directed it. He wrote it for the screen with a James Poe. And James Poe also wrote They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Lilies of the oh. Field and Around the World in 80 Days. Okay. And Tennessee Williams was not happy with the rewrite. No. He would tell people in line for the movie, save your money, don't go. Get out of here. It's not worth it. But it was worth it to me because... Well, it stars Elizabeth Taylor and Paul Newman. Paul Newman, hello. I mean... I mean, was there ever a more beautiful man made? I don't know. He's... I really don't know. Okay, those blue eyes. And, oh, Tennessee Williams had a thing where he went... Any of his plays made into movies, he wanted them in black and white. But when the director saw Paul Newman's blue eyes, excuse me, got choked up, and Elizabeth Taylor's violet eyes, he said, we're doing this in color. Yeah, how can you not? Oh, my God. And they did it in metro color. And it's almost as if they're, like, them them can't be your real eyes. And and I think it was before contact lenses. Just so strikingly blue. I don't even really have a whole bunch of notes because, honestly, I was just staring at those two from (laughs) call the movie. Call it eye candy, man. And Okay, so uh, Burl Ives is also in it. Um, Those of you who might remember him from being the voice of that little um, snowman, uh, that little Santa Claus that rides on the big shaver as it comes down the hill at Christmas time. As he's singing, Burl Ives is, is Big Daddy. Yeah, he's Big Daddy. And Jack Carson from Gone with the Bush's favorite film so far. He was in A Star is Born. Remember? Was he? he was the, the agent. The guy that, he the was, cleaner yeah. upper guy. 
That's how much of an impression that movie left on me. He would always clean up for James Mason. (laughs) We had to have a James Mason sighting. Gotta have a James Mason sighting. Okay, this is another MGM film. As the credits roll, jazz is playing. Yeah, I was into it. I was like, oh, this is. Yeah, it was nice. And um, there was a... Uh, there was a musician strike going on at this time. Hmm. And so there wasn't a um, a film. Like an orchestra. There wasn't an original score for this film. They oh. had to use other things. I thought it worked well. I thought it was perfect. Made it very sultry. Paul Newman was in it. Yeah. We it- start with uh, Paul Newman getting out of his car. I believe it was a falcon setting up hurdles at a high school track not just any high school track the sign says east mississippi high school athletic stadium yes this is only important because as the film goes on um everything that they say about the movie trying to figure pinpoint the location in mississippi leads it that this plantation is in northwest mississippi so This East Mississippi. 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 (laughs) Paul Newman is is stumbling around. He's quite drunk. And he um, imagines that he hears the crowd cheering because he, well, we don't know that yet. So uh, the audience audience hears it. So we just see Newman stumbling. He's drunk. And we, the soundtrack is, uh, I guess you can imagine a football like, exactly. you know, rah, 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 cheering, the crowd going wild. Cheering. People yelling, catch him, Adam. Paul tears off his jacket and he decides to run the hurdles. He's got on a suit and he gets to the fourth hurdle and he doesn't make it. He falls down. Oopsie and he daisy. Is in obvious pain. Oopsie daisy. Yeah, he just he, But make he's his not pain in that away. much pain because. He's just not in that much pain right now. So if he's in any pain, you can imagine, because he's definitely been um, anesthetized. Mm-hmm. And the sound cuts out. The cheering stops. And he looks around and he goes, well, damn. There wasn't anybody here to see me do that. Next scene, he's on the couch. He's laid up. PJs. Yep. With crutches and a cast. Only one he- crutch. It only one crutch. He only ever has one crutch. Which is kind of, that will, that will come later in the. Very symbolic. He hears a commotion outside. So uh, I thought it was rather obvious this had been a play because um, it mostly takes place either outside in Paul Newman's bedroom. <laughs> Alert. Or in the, like the parlor of the big house. Yes. So it was uh, it was easy to see it as a stage play. Very static locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the next shot shows an old South mansion, and there are kids playing around. And there there's a drum, and there's a trumpet, and there's a Confederate flag. Well, isn't this old? I mean, it's a plantation, the big house. Yeah, it's the big house. And um, the kids are marching, and there's a Prager's mom behind them with a whistle, getting them to practice singing Way Down South in Dixie. Away. Away. 
Oh, wait, that's how the Dixie. And a convertible pulls up. And we don't know her name yet, but Liz Taylor gets out. Looking mighty fine in her pencil skirt, her blouse, and she has on pumps, but they aren't peep toe. Closed toe pumps. Closed toe pumps. And there's a man reading a newspaper, and it, he's ignoring the commotion. And Liz Taylor has a, a very short haircut. Well, actually, all of the women I noticed in this film sport short hairdos. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was very interesting because it's 1958, and I always think, oh, l- long hair. It's the Deep South. That's and good. Elizabeth Taylor and Paul Newman drove up from New Orleans. Yes. So they probably didn't want a lot of hair. Oh, well, y- you didn't want a lot of hair just when you said the Deep South. You don't want... Yeah. If anybody has been to the Deep <laughs> or Dingy South, you know that when the humidity comes around, you don't want anything on your neck. You don't, no matter what kind of hair you have. Yep. So there's there's this girl, and she's there's like a big tub of ice cream. Ma, you and know who this girl looks like? I'm afraid to ask. All right, I'm going to paint a picture for the listeners. Orange is the new black. The girl who plays Pensatucky. Imagine her as a little kid, but fat. Yeah. And that's what you got. Um, and so the girl is using her hands to eat ice cream out of the tub. Not just not just using her hands to eat ice cream in the tub. She's elbow deep into the ice cream. And it's disgusting even to me. Because you know, looking at that kid, like, come on. We all know, we all were in school, we all were in elementary school and kindergarten, and we all know who the dirty kid was. And if you don't know who the dirty kid was, it was you. And she was probably a booger picker, too. Booger picker, butt picker, hands who knows where, and those hands are, are now elbow deep in that tub of ice cream. Yeah. Which is very soft because it's so freaking hot outside. And you know it's good ice cream because the help made it. That's right. Which will add to our POC count. So Liz Taylor says to her, hey, little girl, don't put your hands in the ice cream. Yeah. Does exactly what I was thinking. What the hell? Yeah. So the little girl picks up a wad of ice cream as if it were a snowball. And throws it at Liz Taylor. Oh, I was like, Liz Taylor's going to kill some kids? Does Liz Taylor commit child homicide in 1958? Child aside. And so Liz Taylor reaches down, picks up that wad of ice cream, makes her own snowball, and goes and smushes the kid's face in it. Yeah. Get him, Liz. And she runs upstairs. And um, at this point, the the Pregger's mom is going, Goober, Goober, why didn't you do anything about that? And Goober's saying, oh, little girl, you should have washed your hands before you did Yeah, Goober, he's reading the paper. He's just checked out. Goober, (laughs) Goober, Goober sitting at the paper was like, I I just thought, that's just a 1950s dad. Yes, it was. (laughs) Just sitting reading the paper. Not mine, because the noise would not have worked. So she runs upstairs because, of course, there are steps going up to a balcony that goes into their room. 
And she goes, one of those no-neck monsters hit me with some ice cream. And I like the no-neck monsters. Oh, no-neck monsters is great because they were. At which point she starts taking off stockings. She had stockings on. Yeah. And she's wiping off the um, the ice cream and putting clean stockings back on. Not just any stockings, Ma. These stockings had seams in them. And from yeah. what I read during my limited research on this film, seams, stockings were passe in 1950. Yeah, and the only time it comes up is when she's trying to seduce Brick. Brick is Paul Newman, who is upstairs just steadily drinking. Oh. All he's doing is drinking. Yeah. Just, I mean, if you really want to get into character with this movie, just pour yourself a nice glass of bourbon. And it was bourbon. Yeah, there were no mixers. Yeah, and I'm sorry, no, no corkscrews were used this week. No, it was nope, straight bourbon. Just straight bourbon. And so the gist of the movie is Elizabeth Taylor's character is Maggie. And she's worried that the goober and the no-neck preggers woman are trying to cut brick out of the will. And um, the and then no-neck preggers woman and goober are wanting to do that, truth be told. So right. this is pretty much about Big Daddy's money. And they're saying, Big Daddy's dying. We know he's dying of... But they never say what. It's cancer. It's the big C. Because Big um, Daddy and Big Mama are, they're away, I'm guessing, at the big city to have tests done regarding his cancer. Yes. Uh, and that comes up later. We don't know where they are at this point in the film, but, but she's just saying, you know, they, they, they're trying to cut you out. And the whole thing with this little band of kids is to impress upon Big Daddy how much the grandchildren love him. Yeah. Oh, those so kids. everything is manipulative in this, oh. in this film. And the, well, the um, Maggie's sister-in-law, who's married to Goober, she is always referred to as Sister Woman. Sister Woman. <laughs> sister. And it, it's not with, out of love. It's not. And she doesn't have the, the poofy hair like, like she was in a cult, but yeah. And, and occasionally Goober is called Brother Man. <laughs> so there's big which that is always weird to me because brother man like that's goober like a tall white guy you don't really call brother man i don't know it seems odd yeah it, it just seems go he's goober you look at him and you're like wow he's a goober you're goober and she's going brother man's gonna tell big daddy to ship you to and that's let a lot of things are just left yeah, like not they don't finish their sentences, but, but it's, it's like some place to dry him out. But it's good because you because the minute you're in this movie, you're just like, what is going on? Yeah, a lot of angry people. What's going on with all these people? Then Maggie says to him, "You're doing everything you can to help them. You quit your job and you're drinking yourself to death." Yeah. At which point she has put on her new stockings, and uh, Paul Newman Brick is laying on. Uh, Chase Lounge, and she goes over and asks if her seams are straight in a very provocative way. And so you're expecting, because this is Liz Taylor, and I mean, who wouldn't? 
regardless of your sex, if Liz Taylor asked you, are my seam straight, would be like, um, and you know, and dumbfounded. And he, Paul Newman, he just can't be bothered. He has no fucks to give. He gives zero fucks about if Liz Taylor's seams are straight. And she just keeps talking. Big Daddy likes me and Big Daddy dotes on you. And so she starts to sit down next to Brick and he uses his one crutch to push her away. Well, I thought that at first I was like, oh, he's brushing her away. But then I thought, because then he like moves it and she and he moves his leg and she sits down. So then I thought... At first, I was like, oh, man, he's being such an asshole. But then I was like, oh, wait, was she just being oblivious and was totally going to sit on his broken foot? And then he had to move it? And then she sat down? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, because this whole movie was mixed messages. It, it was completely mixed messages. Also, this whole movie, it, it, it very... It, it, I, think, yeah. oh, I got so excited, because as... We've heard Tennessee Williams didn't like the movie because there are many differences between the play and the movie. Right. And Paul Newman was very unhappy about the differences. And that was why I wanted to do it, because I had heard about the differences. And I thought, wow, was I so naive when I watched this? I didn't pick up on that at all. But we'll get into that more. Oh, that's interesting, because <laughs> that was oh, OK. As soon as we get there, I was like, oh, my gosh, 1958. So um, so then Elizabeth Taylor saying, you know, the way Big Daddy looks me up and down and over and uh, with with my shape, I consider it deserves appreciation. And so she's pretty much saying, you know, Big Daddy would hit on me at any moment. And Britt goes, that's disgusting. And I didn't really think that I was just like, um, one, his name is Big Daddy. Two, he owns the big house and the plantation. And three, it's Elizabeth Taylor. You put yeah. all those in a cocktail shaker and shake it out? Is anybody going to be surprised about the drink? And this was Liz Taylor looking good. But. Looking good. Even though. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to say it here because I knew about it when I w watched the movie. Mm -hmm. Right when this movie starts filming. Liz Taylor and the director, Richard Brooks, were supposed to get on a flight and go with Liz Taylor's husband, Mike Todd, to New York as he accepted an award. But Liz Taylor was sick and got a virus. And Richard Brooks, he had to stay back because he needed this production to go. He wanted to get it in on time. So both of those did not go on the plane. And guess what? That plane ended up crashing into a ball of fire and everyone died. And Liz Taylor said he was the love of her life. So Liz Taylor was just a widowed, heartbroken woman for all of this film. And I'll be doggone it. I didn't yeah. even see it. I kept looking for it. <coughs> Excuse me, listeners. I'm sorry. She, she gave a hell of a performance. She was um, nominated for an Academy Award, but she didn't win it. Bless Excuse you. Me. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and so then uh, she just talks ad nauseum. So then she's talking about Goober's wife. And, and you know, Goober <laughs> married this. She was some kind of queen or something. And she was in a parade. And do you know that somebody uh, was in an upstairs window and chewing tobacco and 
and spits some tobacco right into her eye. And Brick is like, he's totally, no wonder he's drinking. Now, at this point, I'm looking at Brick and she's talking and I go, my God, he is the most attractive, like man, period, yes, but also the most attractive drunk. I mean, he's a drunk, but look at him. He's completely clean shaven. He's still so fit. He doesn't look anything like a drunk. He's not puffy. No. Man. Yeah. And as she's going through this, he's looking at her in a mirror, a mirror image of her. And he's looking at her really lovingly. But then as soon as she looks at him, he cuts that off. It's like, no, no, never mind. Um, yeah, and then she's like, you know, yeah. she tries to ask, like, why, why were you, you know, what was that look? Why were you looking at me like that? And so then she goes into what everyone in the audience is saying. Why do you have to be so good looking? Like, yes. Why, why can't you be a drunk, one of those drunks that loses their good looks? And she also says, I know what that look used to mean. When you used to look at me that way, I know what it used to mean. And he goes, well, you're not the same woman now, Maggie. Mm, so something happened between these yeah. two. And she goes, I know I've gone through this horrible transformation. I get so lonely when the one you love doesn't love you. Ooh. What happened to takes, these two? She takes a drink out of his glass and he gets up and gets another glass. Damn, does she have cooties? Yeah, you can't even stand drinking out of the same glass. And so Brick goes, you want to live alone? You were, and and she goes, you were such a wonderful lover. As you know, he had to. (laughs) Uh, If I thought you'd never make love to me again, I'd find the longest, shiniest knife and stick it in my heart. How long must this go on? Haven't I served my term? I feel like a cat on a hot tin roll. And, he's and Brick a, goes, then jump off, Maggie. Yeah. Take the lever. And she goes, why can't you get fat and ugly? And then she says, I'll win. And he goes, win what? What is the victory of a cat, cat on a hot, on a hot tin, tin roof? roof? And just staying on it, I guess, as long as she can. Okay. So everybody is on their way to meet Big Daddy's play that's landing. Well, Brick's not going. Brick's, Brick's got a bottle he's, he's got to finish. Gyms. Yeah. And so all the kids are there with their band instruments. And Maggie pulls up in her convertible. And Big Daddy gets off the plane. And everybody's going up to the plane. But Maggie stands back. She doesn't go up. Yeah, and Big Daddy goes right over to her because it's such a. They, she got sister woman has them like they got trumpets going. They have the bass drum going. They got the Confederate flag waving as these it's not five possible for kids. It to be more annoying. I mean it. Oh, oh man! I went and got my birth control pill refilled because <laughs> I was like these no neck monsters. Oh, and they were no neck monsters. So obnoxious. Mm. Oh. So Big Mama gets off the, the plane, and you think that 
that that Maggie's a nag. My God, Big Mama. Nothing's wrong with Big Daddy, but a spicy colon. Where's Brick? <laughs> um, you do a really good Big Mama, and Big Mama is not big. No, she's a tiny little woman. <laughs> But we know tiny little women can strike fear. <laughs> and um, so uh, Maggie says he's going to be a sassy old self. And he rides with Maggie. And they stop at a sign that says Pullet Enterprises. Mm-hmm. And there is a POC, uh, a groomsman with horses. They stop by the side of the road to look at the horses and he says, welcome back, Captain Pollitt. And and uh, Big Daddy says, I'm going to live, Maggie. I'm going to live. Uh, and he says, I'm going to live and I'm going to live like I've never lived before because I'm going to live so much. He's, You know what? He's going to live. Yeah. So then we get to the mansion, the plantation, and there are Two black servants hanging lanterns. Brick is still up in his room drinking. And um, Big Daddy says to Maggie, why did you and Brick decide to drive up from New Orleans? And she goes, well, for your birthday. And he said, I had a birthday last year. Maybe he thought he was coming to my funeral. And she, of course, is trying to do all the damage control she can. Brick loves you. He does. He loves you. If I'd been married, and, and then Big Daddy goes, if I'd been married to you three years, I'd have plenty to show for it, as in children. Babies, as in no-neck monsters. But can you imagine how blue their eyes would have been? Oh, they wouldn't be no-neck monsters. They'd be perfection. Oh, so the kids are singing again. And I guess Maggie goes back up to the room and tells Brick that Big Daddy's going to live. And tells him to come down to the party. Put on your nice silk pajamas and and come down to the party. And he goes, no, Big Daddy's going to live. We're going back to New Orleans. And and she goes, come down to the party. He goes, get me my crutch. And she says, lean on me. And he turns away from (gasps) her. And she tries to seduce him. But it doesn't work. And at this point, she's taken off the clothes she had on it to put on something else, but she's just in a slip. Now, listeners, I never saw a slip with a zipper in it before. Her slip had a zipper in it so that it was more form-fitting. Who's Elizabeth Taylor? Yeah. So do you think that this was shot more at the beginning? Because she lost a whole bunch of weight. And she's really thin, but I thought that she got thinner. Hmm. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if this was kind of shot more in the beginning. It might Because I kept been. looking for it. And I couldn't, I couldn't really see until, the, but then there were some times where I was like, man, she looks really thin in the dress. But since she was in the slip, I was like, oh, I wonder if this was more in the beginning. I have no idea. Because her bazongas did not get smaller. That we know. I mean... Well, there could have been padding, that's true. But they were they were out there like the front of a Cadillac. <laughs> what did you call them? Bazongas? I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never heard um, that. And Brick says, I'm not going down. And so she goes, I got Big Daddy a, a gift, but you need to write on the card because he needs to think it came from you. And now everybody knows that the gift always comes from the wife. 
but Brick refuses to write on the card. He's just, he's just not uh, cooperative. He's th- throwing a little bit of a tantrum. And he says, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Remember the conditions I agreed to for you to stay on with me. Yeah, so then you're like, what the hell happened between these two? Conditions? Uh, We occupy the same cage, and she closes and locks the door because she wants some privacy because she's hoping something's going to happen. And... She's, and he goes, you're making a fool of yourself. And she says, I don't mind making a fool of myself for you. Who would? Man. How many people really made a fool of themselves in front of him? And she's clinging to him. And he goes, let go, Maggie. And he locks himself in the bathroom. And her nightgown is hanging on the back of the bathroom door. And he smells it lovingly. And then he throws it to the floor. Well, he throws it to the floor because his mom knocks on the door. Big Mama's knocking on the door. And she's like, what is this? There are no locked doors in this house. What are you doing? Yeah. And Maggie's like, um, Brick's in the in the bathroom. He just got out of the shower. She's like, I've seen him naked before. I'm like, oh, kind of. OK, Big yeah. Mama. Lucky you, but inappropriate, Big Mama. <laughs> At which point, a little boy sneaks up behind Maggie and what does he do to her? He has a gun. At some point, doesn't he have like a, a cap gun? No, the cap gun is later. Oh. I, he might have blown a trumpet in her ear or, or a prize a, a birthday thingy. And she shrieks at him. And Big Mama says, you just don't like children. I don't like those no-neck monsters. Look at them. Heathens. And Heathens. Big Mama's by the bed, and she says, some men stop drinking when they get married, and some men start drinking when they get married. Do you make my brick happy? Well, no, Ma, you're, you're missing the shade line. She said, brick never drank before he married you. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to put those out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> me, the mother-in-law shade. Shade bomb! <sighs> And uh, Maggie is at this point putting on this white chiffon dress that um, no one should ever wear again because Elizabeth Taylor ruined it for anybody else. Yeah, she pretty much wore the hell out of that dress. That is one hell of a chiffon dress. Dang. And but she if was it makes you feel any, Mama she was pregnant. Ma, if it makes you feel any better, though, she did commit the faux pas of having seams in her stockings. So, deduction. We never saw them, though. Well, we just know. So, we have that. So, she's, so Big Mama says, do you make my brick happy? And she says, why don't you ask if he makes me happy? One for the female team. Mm-hmm. And then Big Mama goes, when a marriage goes on the rocks, the rocks are right here. And she's hitting the bed. Ooh. That's just, that's just low. Get out of here, Big Mama. At this point, the doctor comes up to check on Brick's ankle. And so in front of the doctor, (laughs) manipulative Maggie goes, Brick, you forgot to write on your daddy's card. Because she knows Brick isn't going to throw a fit in front of the doctor. Mm-hmm. And... Well, also, Brick stays in the bathroom when Big Mama's in the room. 
yeah the she's like calling for him she can hear him that's when he smells the the whatever that's in the bathroom and throws it away in disgust and then as soon as big mama leaves and the doctor comes up and is like brick brick he comes out and yeah. you can and maggie notices that too and gives a little bit of side eye like you motherfucker mm-hmm. men and their mamas so the doctor is talking to Brick, and he's saying, yeah, I remember that Alabama State game, you and Skipper. Wait, interesting tidbit, though. Alabama State is a historically black college. We're presuming mm-hmm. that Brick probably went to Old Miss. Old yes. Miss would have never played Alabama State, ever. That is interesting. So Good. It's a- it's a fact- factual error that I found online. I love it. Mm-hmm. But the minute that the name Skipper is uttered, it's like everything stands still. Yeah. It's like, oh, Skip. So you're like, who's Skipper? Yeah. Skipper. So then the doctor goes, uh, you know, I didn't come up here to check on your ankle. I came up here to tell you it's bad news. Your Your father has a malignant tumor. And it's terminal, <clears throat> and I lied to everybody except Goober. Goober knows the truth is he's gonna die. And and Brick's like, what the hell kind of a doctor are you? How are you gonna lie to your patient? And like like, doesn't that go against the Hippocratic oath? Yeah. And wh- why why are you telling me? Yeah. Why aren't you telling I, I telling Goober? But why are you telling me? I'm going back to New Orleans. Yeah. There's like one person here that you need to tell, the man dying. Oh, but you didn't tell him. This doctor guy. Tell him bad news. (laughs) He had. He's like the worst doctor. If you're a doctor, even you're a doctor now, but say you're a doctor in the fifties, weren't you like just telling people bad news all the time? (laughs) Wasn't wasn't that pretty much your job? Is to just tell people bad news? You should have been used to it, you would think. This is what I'm saying. Well, he was he was scared. He didn't even tell Big Mama the truth. Yeah, he's just like, no. <laughs> so now we cut to, to outside. The kids are singing. And the kids have, <laughs> actually, truth be told, they have on little headdresses because they're singing, you know, like I'm a, something about the sunshine and... We Ugh. love Big Daddy. And they're I like don't know. they're little rays of sunshine for Jesus or something. Yeah, and they actually reminded me of. Um, I'm sorry, our assistant director is working on something downstairs. They reminded me of little headbands I made for my kids in second grade when we did Little Place. But it was so over the top. It's obvious Goober's wife just wants the money. Yeah, Goober sister woman is every bit as annoying as she sounds. Her hairstyle is, again, the Mamie Eisenhower. (laughs) It is. And her maternity dress is basically like a smock with pleats. Yes. And it's beige color. Yeah, there's nothing good about it. And she is so obnoxious. I mean, it's fun to watch just because of how obnoxious she is. She could be a drinking game. You could have a fabulous drinking game with Sister Wife. You get tore up with Sister Woman. So Big Daddy's eating. He's just eating and eating and eating. And Big Mama's smiling. And 
and Big Daddy says, tell him to sit down and eat. So they start to sit at his table. He goes, no, over there. Get him away from me. No, the interesting little tidbit, this scene, the director replaced the fake food with real food because Elizabeth Taylor had lost so much weight during her grief that he made it be real food and he required a whole bunch of extra takes so that um, he would know that she was eating. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, Burl Lives, who didn't have to, who didn't need the extra calories, nope. was certainly chowing down. Oh, he was, oh, so happy. Ser- Are you serious? This is real food? Hell yeah. <laughs> let's do this. You want to do another take? Rich? Oh, you got it? No, let's just do another one just for fun. <laughs> just let's see what happens. He was truly a big daddy. So um, then a deacon from the church comes out with a, with a trash can full of telegrams from all over the country of happy birthdays to big daddy. Yeah. And the kids are still singing, and Big Daddy goes, isn't there an intermission? So um, Sister Woman is saying there's a whole dynasty of Big Daddy's flesh and blood waiting to take over. And she's saying that to Big Daddy because he had told Goober to get married and have lots of kids. He told, well, he told Goober, get married, he's to be a lawyer, get married, have a whole bunch of kids. At which point they say that this is Big Daddy's 65th birthday. Mm-hmm. Being one who is 65, I felt maybe this was maybe his 75th, 80th. <laughs> He's not 80. No, that's a 1958-65. Wow. I mean, you got to think about it. He's 65, 1958. He's... He, he lived through the recession, you know. People aged faster in those times. Okay. I mean, well, much much like you're gonna see people have aged in the year 2017. Well, that's true. We've we've uh, all just aged and put on a lot of weight. <laughs> so Maggie brings a plate of food up to Brick and finds him packing. Yep, Brick's like, all right, he's 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 not dying. Wait, no, he, Brick knows he's dying, right? Yeah. Well, Brick don't care. Brick's not going to be the one to tell him he's dying. Brick's out of here. Brick don't give a fuck. That's right. And so Maggie's going, why do you hate him? What's he ever done to you? And that question came up over and over. What's he ever done to you? Yeah, and I want to know. what's. I'm like, what? who's done what to you, Brick? Yeah, really, because you are you are damaged, and just look in the mirror. You got nothing to be damaged about, yeah, dude. You've got a list of grievances a mile long. Look at this. You have a plantation. Look at all of those people who technically aren't slaves, but you know you still really kind of own working for you. At this point, the count is, I believe, four. Um, oh, and I, then she I says, "What was the doctor doing up here?" And so Brick says, well, Big Daddy's going to die. And Maggie's genuinely hurt. Mm-hmm. She, she says, I'm genuinely fond of him. Genuinely. Uh, Not just because he's rich. I'm genuinely fond of him. The rich really, really helps. Mm-hmm. But yes. But still. Uh, that's why you got to go now, which is what Brick says. And so Maggie goes, they got a plan. They're going to freeze you out. You're a drinker and I'm childless. 
we got to beat that plan. Because I've been so poor my whole life. You can be young without money, but not old without Amen money. Amen to that. And, and then she says, where did I fail you? Oh, wait, wait. Before Maggie does point out, like, look, Brick, you're an alcoholic. Yeah. And unless you want to start switching over to 10 cent beer, you're going to need money to be an alcoholic. Because you, like me, like the Top Chef stuff. <laughs> that, that costs money. Then Maggie says, <clears throat> I know I made my mistake when I tried to tell you about Skipper. Skipper. Oh, and he shrieks, Maggie, you shut up about Skipper. Who's Skipper? Um, and then and then Maggie goes, he goes, not looking at a fire that doesn't put it out. I'm so hmm. it was like, That's don't bring note. this up. Don't bring up Skipper. So Brick goes out on the balcony. And she goes, this time I'm going to finish the story. I'm going to tell you about that night in the hotel room. And as audience, you're like, yes, finally get it out. I want to know. What's going on? And Who's he's Skipper? going, I don't want to hear about it. And... And then he yells down to everybody, you going to bring that party up here? That's how much he didn't want to hear about it. Yeah. He didn't want to be with those no-neck kids, but he'd rather have the party up in his room than talk about what happened with Skipper. So you know Skipper, Skipper Hole is the key. Skipper's the key. Skipper is the key. And she goes, I'm going to say this, and I don't care if it's in front of them. So I'm going, finally, we're going to know. Yes, Finally. And he goes, you want me to hit you with this crutch? Damn. He really doesn't want to talk about Skipper. And she goes, you're still blaming me for Skipper's death. <gasps> oh, snap. Oh, snap. And Skipper's he says, dead? I could kill you with this crutch. <gasps> and what? And Brick says, I had a friendship. Skipper and I had a friendship. Why won't you let that alone? Oh, at which point I'm like, oh, okay. yeah, I okay. get it. Yeah, there are there there's some warning signs there. I was I instantly thought of the grotto. I'm like, this is a grotto type <laughs> situation, and I'm like, Ma's gonna have to fill it in because I don't. I'm just like instantly grotto, grotto, grotto. You have to explain where Grotto comes you from. You have to because that's all I remember. I'm just like, Grotto, Grotto. When we were in Paris, we went to... No, it wasn't Paris. It, it, was, it, was, it was Ludwig. It was one of the Ludwig. Yeah, so it was in Bavaria or something. And he was very fond of the composer Richard Wagner. And so this Ludwig, I'm not sure which one it was built a grotto isn't it the castle in germany that's based that the disney castle is based on no, this is a different one. Oh, so it many was, castles it wasn't yeah it wasn't new schwanstein it was oh, a different one okay that had the grotto we went to a uh, lot of castles when i was a kid right and this one was sort of based on this is why i made the mistake with france sort of based on the hall of mirrors oh and then there's a little grotto where he and Richard Wagner could go and discuss music. M music with, in quotation with. marks. 
because all we heard at that one was how fond he was of Richard Wagner. <laughs> right. So. so Britt goes, let it alone. And Maggie goes, it's got to be told. Skipper was no good. Why are you afraid of the truth? Oh, my cousin's 1958, and he, look at him. He played football. He can't be gay. Like, not like, oh, he can't be, but like for, for the times, people. Exactly, exactly. And he swings his crutch at her, and he falls down. So, obviously, you know that that struck a nerve. Yeah, at least one. At which point, one of the no-neck girls comes in with her cap gun. Yeah. And she goes, what's Uncle Brick doing on the floor? <laughs> and Uncle Brick says, I tried to kill your Aunt Maggie, but I failed. And uh, so then the no-neck girl goes, why were you jumping hurdles? And he goes, I used to be able to, and people like to do what they can't do anymore. Hmm. So she aims the gun at Maggie and shoots off all these caps. Yeah. And Maggie says, stop, you little no-neck monster. You're not supposed to point a gun at somebody ever. Ever. What the hell? At which point this little no-neck monster says, you're just jealous because you can't have babies. Oh, and she I never. And tongue out I, at Maggie. I never in my life wanted to kill a child until that moment. Now oh. I'm for my polygraph. If I'm ever polygraphed, I'm, I'm doomed. They're going to lock me up. Because in, in a moment that I saw ca- this, this scene in Canada Hot Tin Roof, I wanted to kill that child. Well, she needed to be turned over somebody's knee and given a really good spanking. You got to BM children sometimes. Got to BM children. So then Maggie goes, see, May, May is sister woman, and Goober gloat over us having no children. And Brick says... Brick, you're so pretty. This was mean. How on earth are you going to have a child by a man who can't stand you? Yeah. <sighs> can't stand. <sighs> so then I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. Brick can't stand Maggie, but he isn't totally disgusted by her because of the way that he looked at her in the mirror and also the way that he was smelling her scent on her dress in there. Yeah. But he says he can't. And then he, like, the whole grotto thing with Skipper. Yeah. I'm like, huh. Yeah. Why is he still so mad at Maggie? Yeah. How is this Maggie's fault? So, here comes that birthday. Big Daddy goes into Brick's room, and Big Daddy tells him, put that liquor down. And Ida, Big Mama, tells how Big Daddy proposed. It's a long thing. I'm not going into it. Well, it's not romantic at all. She was already knocked up. Big Daddy says, "Um, that's my kid. I want it. Go get the preacher. And that was how he proposed. Yeah. Are you all swept away? Was it yeah. all your fantasies where they met? So um, I have, there's a cake with no necks singing. And it's an obvious fake cake 
because Big Mama is just moving this. It's a huge <laughs> cake. So much icing, so much it fire on it. styrofoam, because if that were a real cake, she wouldn't have been able to carry it that No, she's, I mean, she's just wheeling and dealing. She's like those sign people on the corners with this cake, just doing all these tricks, swirling and flipping it around. And the candles are staying lit, too. Yep. So... Uh, Maggie, of course, which is into kiss-up mode. Britt, give Big Daddy your present. Um, uh, somebody says open it yourself. And then Big Daddy goes, I want to talk to Brick. And Quiet and the deacon is talking about memorials at the church all the time to Goober. Like, like Big Daddy's already gone and they're going to give a lot of money to the church. Which point we hear thunder. Mm, there's a storm of ruin to that. Also, everyone's accents come and go as they please in this movie. Yeah, they do. But the thing about Paul, uh, he never tried to have a son. He didn't do much talking. He's just very brooding. He didn't need to. Hmm. Why you just look in that camera? <sighs> um... Look at you. You can't you're you you can't even you don't even know where you are in your notes anymore. I don't I don't. I saw Paul Newman looking at me. Okay. So Big Daddy tells him, Stop this bull. I put up with a lot of bull because I cause I thought I was dying. I'll run this place till the day I die. I don't need any hypocrisy from you. All these years you never believed I loved you. I even loved your hardness, Brick says to Big Daddy. Well, I thought that the I thought that not, Big Mama that said that. Yeah, Big Mama says that to to Big Daddy. I'm sorry, uh, you forget Big Mama well, when you because, got Brick in the room. Yeah, yeah, because like something goes on. So we had that um, that Brick he can't stand Maggie, and then at one point she kisses him. And he wipes it off. Yeah. And Big Daddy sees that. He's like, why did you wipe off your, her kiss? Because it's when it's when they're leaving. Because they're yes. going to talk. But then because, see, they set it up and you're, you're waiting for the scene. You're like, all right, Brick and Big Daddy. But before that scene happens, there's the thing where he has to, like, open up his present. But he doesn't open it up because he wants to, to have this talk. Like, he, he wants to have this talk with Brick. But everybody else in the family, they're all trying to suck up. So they won't leave right. him alone to have the conversation. So at one point, there's she opens up the, the package herself that she bought. And it's like a cashmere um, robe no. and she's like all acting surprised and sister woman calls her out in front of everybody and is like don't you act surprised i know that you bought that for him yourself i was down at the, the i know the woman who like helped you with it and sold it to you and you're like damn sister woman you are a hater such a hater and, yeah she is and then at some point big daddy like like really go uh, admonishes big big mama it's like, I know that you've been, I know that you've, like, basically, he's like, you know, I've been out of town and big mama, you've been doing everything that you want, thinking that you're, you're at me and you, you're running things, but I'm back and I'm living. And so you need to get back in your place. Yeah. He was rather harsh with yeah, big mama. Yeah, super harsh. And then, and then big mama's like, her feelings are just kind of her. And she's like, 
the most painful thing is that you think that I don't love you, but I love, I love you. And I love, I even love your hardness and your cruelty. And it's like, oh, damn, big mama. And she sulks off and does a few tricks as she swirls with the cake because it's still lit. That's still lit. Nobody's ever eaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know those no-necks would be getting their hands in that cake if, oh. if it were real. Yeah. So at one point, I think it, it it's either Brick or Big Daddy says both cats are determined to knock off a bigger piece. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cat, a lot of cat analogy in this film, as, as you can tell by the title. So as uh, Big Daddy and Brick are talking... Sister woman is uh, hiding outside his door, listening in. Mm-hmm. And Big Daddy goes over and pulls her in, and says, uh, "I hate sneaking and spying. And now you're going to run and tell Big Mama everything you heard." Because mm-hmm. that's all. That's all she does. She's a tattletale. So Big Daddy says to Brick, "You don't like Maggie? Get rid of her. Quit. You quit your job because of liquor." Uh, then he goes, "Is liquor good for a spastic colon?" And he gives, Brick gives Big Daddy a drink. And who says, all my life I've been like a doubled up fist, pounding, smashing, driving. I'm contemplating, oh, this is Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. I'm contemplating pleasure. Yeah. I'm going to pick my choice of a woman. I'm going to smother her in minks and choke her in diamonds. Yeah, Big Daddy's going to get himself a side piece. Going to get a piece. And then Big Daddy says to Brick, why are you so antsy? And he, uh, Brick goes, something hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. There's a click in my head that makes me feel peaceful. It's like a switch that switches off. Big Daddy goes, dang, you're a real alcoholic. <laughs> like, you are a bona fide alcoholic, son. Are you not? And Big Daddy says, you're not careful. You're going to crawl out of this family. And then Brick goes, all we do is talk in circles. All we do is talk in circles. And and, uh, Big Daddy goes, why do you drink? And 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 Brick goes, disgust and mendacity. No, he goes, disgust. And Big Daddy's like, what are you disgusted with? And he's like, mendacity. And they're like, okay. So... And then I'm going, well, what is Mendacity? But luckily, Brick tells us. It's liars and lies. So now they're downstairs, and Big Daddy throws Goober out of the study. Um, and Big Daddy says, I've lived with something. You can live with liquor. I can't turn over. Well, at some point, he's like, why don't you kill yourself? And he's like, because I like to drink. Yeah, because it makes the the click stop in his head. Mm -hmm. So then Big Daddy says, I hate Goober and May. Damn, Big Daddy, that's your son. (laughs) We talk around things. We got to talk straight. And And you're like, like, what are you talking around? I know. What is this? You guys are talking around that we want to know what happened. I know. And then, so Big Daddy goes, you can't play football anymore. You just lost a job, but I'll get it back for you. Mm-hmm. And then, But then Big Daddy is like, wait a second. You started drinking with that friend, that, that what's his name? Skipper's <gasps> death. Ba, ba, ba. At that point, the rain starts coming down in sheets. Yeah. I mean, it's raining really hard outside. 
and then and Brick's like, why are you making it shameful and sinful? Skipper was the only thing I believed in. And I'm like, Grotto? What are you suggesting? He said. And and then and then Brick says, Didn't Big Daddy, didn't you ever look up to someone? I could depend on him. And Big Daddy says, Why did Skipper crack up? Straight true talk. And then Big Daddy said, Skipper was a crutch for you. And he only crutch? has one crutch. Just like, just like he has a crutch now. A single one. Because off film, I'm like, why did they only give him one crutch? And then Brick goes, why don't you ask Maggie the cat why he went out that 11th story window? And jumped. So what? Brick calls Maggie into the study. And Big Daddy goes, what was going on between you and Skipper? She's like, Skipper didn't like me. He didn't want us to get married. uh, And Brick organized a team because Skipper couldn't make it on an NFL team. So So, So here you find out, okay, Brick was good enough to play professional football, but Skipper wasn't. So he created his own team so that he and Skipper could play on the same football team. And I'm like... If they aren't in a romantic relationship, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are doing a big dance around it. And, and then, so Brick goes, you hated Skipper so much, you got him drunk and went to bed with him. And, and then, everybody is just staring at each other. Yeah, I'm like, wait a second. I thought Skipper... Okay, maybe Skipper is bisexual. Right, because I don't know back then if bisexual was a a stated thing. Yeah. I mean, there were there were bisexuals for goodness sake. I don't know. Are you trying to say nothing happened? Uh, and then Maggie's going. Skipper played his first professional game without Brick. It was Chicago Forty Seven Dixie Stars, Stars. Zero. Inside, he was pure jelly. And then Brick goes, why were you in Skipper's room? The hotel manager told me to stop him. So so Skipper, after that game, was tearing up the room like a heavy metal band would be tearing up a room. Yeah, he, he just, he just went, was going crazy, just with anger, because he played horrible. Yeah, he, he doesn't have the skills. He sucks. On the field... <laughs> He's okay. And so um, they called Maggie to stop him before he destroyed the whole room. So she goes in and and she said, Skipper was scared stiff about you. He was so scared that um, that you'd get it, that you'd be mad at him for messing up the game. And um Maggie and, says, and I kept telling him, go get a job and leave Brick and me alone. Yeah, Maggie's like, maybe you should give up football. <laughs> She's like the, the, the talent scout. She's like, mm, this isn't for you. Right. At which point, Skipper kissed her. And um, she was thinking, okay, I'll get rid of Skipper by proving he would make love to the wife of your best friend. But then I got panicky. Suppose I lost you instead. 
nothing happened. Nothing happened. Yeah, she just left. You, you blame me for Skipper's death. I got rid of Skipper, but I lost you too. Yeah. And then he's and then you find out that and then Maggie's like, "What did you say to Skipper? Cuz you are the last person to talk to him." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "How do you know that?" And she said, because when he was just a bag of bones on the sidewalk before they scraped him up and put him in the <laughs> ambulance. <laughs> to put it quite nicely. Yeah, what was what what did she say he said? Cause I was I was like, wait, how did he was talking? Uh he 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 broke like a rotten stick. Um, how does one drowning man help another? Well oh, that's this man? is what Brick says. Oh, so man. but Skipper said something like, um, I don't know. He wouldn't he wouldn't take his call. Yeah. Like he hung up on him or something. Cuz Brick was Brick didn't play in the game because Brick was injured in the hospital. Brick was in the hospital. So at this point as this dialogue is going on, Brick goes and gets another bottle. Big Daddy takes it away from him and throws it out the door. But Skipper told Brick that they had made love. Why did Skipper kill himself? Oh, because I let him down. Brick- Skipper was scared that I'd walk out on him. He broke like a rotten stick. Well, because, yeah, because Brick... So Brick always thought that Skipper and Maggie slept together because Skipper was so drunk, he probably wasn't even making a whole bunch of sense, and he thought that he had because he, he did go over and kiss her, kiss Maggie. But see, this this scene is very different from what's in the play. And I, I didn't know what was in the play. Did you read the play? I didn't read the play, but I read someone who did read what was in the play because oh, okay. this is the age that we live in. So in the play, in the play, Maggie and Skipper do have sex. Oh. Because... They they both did it as a way to be closer to Brick. Or to try to get rid of each other. Well, yeah, but that's not... Maybe. I don't know. Okay. That wasn't in the, the synopsis that I read. And I read, I read a couple. And in the play, um, Brick, he confesses his, his romantic love for... Skipper confesses his romantic love to brick over the phone the first time where in the movie he that's when he says that he slept with maggie in the play he's like confesses that he's like romantically in love with brick mm-hmm. and I, I guess he like says that like it kind of explains it and then um brick hangs up on him okay and then that's what and then skipper's just like he played a shitty game and he got hung up on by his friend who he wanted to be more than friends with and he was drunk and so he takes a header out the window. Oh, so they had never actually been together biblically. Um I don't I don't know cuz I guess you would have to read the play to see if like what all that was because there was like the play was more explicit and that was one of the things that they had to they had to change it because there was also the um 
what was it? The like production was it the production, the production code? code? Yeah, it was something like that. So they had to yeah. change it. But in the in the play, it's it doesn't allude to any sort of homosexuality. Like it's there, right? Like there, you aren't kind of like in the in the movie how they're kind of like dancing around it. But then right. you read reviews of the movie, and some people are like, "Well, that's more in like real life," and it just and everybody knew what they were talking about. So, in this, in some ways, I guess it worked. In some way, in some ways, people say that the movie works better than the play because of the dancing around. Oh, well, I did. I found it. Yeah, I found it confusing because I think he truly does love Maggie. I think he's bisexual. He truly did love Skipper too. Yeah, I think he had romantic feelings for both of them. And you never in the movie, you never really know. And the movie kind of plays it as. He didn't know until it, until Skipper killed himself that he had those feelings for Skipper too, and that was also part of the disgust. Oh, okay. Was that like he let his friend down, and he's like, "I feel like this, but I don't know. I don't like. I don't know what to do. What does this mean?" Right. And it's nineteen, you know, fifty-eight. Yeah. And he said that. Um, and and in the movie, it's like Maggie knows. You know? Yeah. Because Maggie's always saying, like, that she was always jealous of all the time they were spending together and all of that. So it's kind of like, like, Maggie's are, like, I know what was going on with you and Skipper, even though they might not have known it. Oh. Okay. Because mm. he said the phone rang again. Skipper was screaming for help, and I couldn't pick it up. Yeah, he wasn't... That he was saying that every time, bring, bring, that was Skipper yelling, help, help. Yeah, yeah. And when I hear the click, I don't hear that phone ringing anymore. Right. So when he drinks himself to oblivion and the click goes off, he that's when he's fine. Right. And that's probably when he can make love to Maggie. So well, I mean, outside, but come on, though. Maggie, he's trying to get in a car. Maggie is Elizabeth Taylor. So, who, I mean, I'm sure that there's, like, gay guys who would be like, well, it's Elizabeth Taylor, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody can switch me, it's going to yeah. be her. Well, let's just see what happens. Um, so, he's outside, he's trying to escape in a car, and it's, it's pouring down rain. In a convertible. It, yeah. And he and Big Daddy are out there. And the truth is pain and sweat and bills and making love to a woman you don't love anymore. Mm, um, that's what Big Daddy is saying to Brick. You know, it's time to grow up. you got to let go of this stuff. Um, and Brick says, grown-ups don't hang up on each other. And in my notes at this point, I got I got to look up mendacity. Did you look it up? I did look it up. And? It's... Like you said before, it's the quality or state of being given to or characterized by deception or falsehood or divergence from absolute truth. Yeah, so it's the lies that they're telling each other all the time. And this whole film has been about lies. 
Well, I mean, they it does take place in Mississippi on a plantation, so you could just say that there's just lies. Lies from the ground up. Lies are in the soil. Your whole fortune is built upon lies. So, so Brick goes, lies, uh, birthday congratulations, many happy returns when there won't be any more. Ooh, what? And Big Daddy stops and it's like, what? Now keep in mind, it is pouring down rain. Yeah, the report from the clinic. The uh, it it is death. Mendacity is a system we live in. Big Daddy walks back to the house soaked. And then Brick tries to turn the car around, gets it stuck in the mud. At which point, <laughs> where are those people of color coming to dig him out? And then he gets out and he breaks his crutch. <gasps> he breaks his, his crutch. He's stuck in the mud. And Maggie comes running out to him. And Brick goes, I hurt him really bad. And now that he doesn't have his crutch, he's leaning on Maggie. Mm-hmm. So Big Daddy goes down into the basement. All right, time out. Okay, go Big ahead. Daddy down in the basement. All right, now we should do our POC count. Because oh, at this point? Yes. Okay. Because, and we'll do it at this point, because Big Daddy goes down into the basement, and I'm like, so I guess the help isn't allowed to go down into the basement. Because there are cobwebs, all, and it's super dusty. I was just like, nobody's allowed to clean down here? Uh, the, uh, the the basement was full of stuff that Big Mama bought when they went on a trip to Europe. And evidently, Big Mama was Michael Jackson. I mean, like to spend, but trip. did you see how dirty it was? Yeah, there were, there were cobwebs. I couldn't believe over. it. But maybe, you know, they didn't want the people of color to be around all of that stuff. That so, was my first thought. Maybe they thought they'd steal stuff or I had I counted 15 but really? then but then I thought and I was like I don't think that it's really 15 people of color I think it's just three who I just keep seeing over and over again I think there's I one had, woman and two uh, men I had four at this point oh well there but were a lot there were a lot in the opening not in the opening ish beginning when you see the the children and there's a lot of help putting together the party. That's true. So I was trying. I was like one, repeats. two, three, four, five. Yeah. And then I was like one, two, what? And then I that around this time was when I was like, wait, I've been counting every instance that I see. Yeah. But me there's too. there's there's like repeats. Good point. So I'm like, I, if there's for sure one one black woman, and I'm pretty sure there's two main black dudes. And then I guess you could say four because the guy that we saw with the horses. That was my count. Mm-hmm. Now, as I as we go on, it could be repeats again. And I didn't take that into consideration. I think it is repeat. OK, so Big Daddy's down in the basement. Don't know why he wanted to go down there. The doctor comes down, gives him his cashmere robe so he can get out of his wet clothes he also gives him morphine and a syringe and instructions. 
I was like, damn. All right. And Ida wants to go down. She wants to go down. She wants to be with Big Daddy. And uh, somebody says there ain't nothing wrong with Big Daddy but nerves. And then Ida goes, I want Maria. She runs up to Brick. Uh, let May and Goober fight over carcasses. And careful, Maggie, your claws are showing. That was Brick. That was such a Brick line. Mm-hmm. And the doctor comes in. And May, it, May hold Big Mama's hand because uh, they're going to tell Big Mama the truth. Well, that takes a long time oh of them walking gosh. around and doing all kinds of stuff. This the worst doctor ever. I mean, because he's like he doesn't even. He just gave the dude downstairs the morphine because he goes when the pain kicks in, you're gonna want this. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, they tell Big Mama it's a it's a lot of going in circles again, and um, and so Big Mama's crying at the bottom of the steps for Brick, and of course May and Uber trying to talk mama into uh they have all these plans they have all these papers drawn up and the doctor says sometimes i wish i had a pill to make people disappear we'll just stop being a doctor and big mama says we we was never a very happy family margaret maggie you gotta help brick pull himself together my husband is not gonna die goober is your firstborn and there's arguing, arguing, arguing. Brick is hopping down the steps in real clothes. Mm-hmm. I preferred him in his jammies. But there's a there's a people of color speaking part because as he's hopping down the steps, coming up the steps, is a black guy, and he's like, and I, I had this person number five, but it could have been. I think he is the same guy that was like fixing the light bulb after the storm passed. Okay. So go ahead. He, well, no, he was just like, oh, sir, do you need some help? Yeah, you doing okay, Mr. Brick? And Brick's like, oh, and, no, I got it. Uh, so then he, oh, and so Goober, Goober has all these ideas, and he wants Big Mama to see him, so he sends May to get him. So she runs out of the room and runs right into Brick. Yeah, because Brick uh, heard all, because, you know, May's just been talking shit, because that's all May slash sister woman does is talk shit about him. And because right. they made some sort of comment about how, oh, he was in like the, the Tostitos bowl. They didn't use Tostitos, that was a thing, but, you know, no, some. No, but they bowl. did, yeah. And. Or, or was it the toilet bowl? Yeah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> the punch bowl. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, because he's a drunk. And then she goes out and she runs into him. And he's like, it was the cotton bowl. And she just. I thought, I thought it was the sugar bowl. It was the cotton bowl. Yeah. Because that was a big one. Yeah. Okay. And so then Brick is hopping his way down the basement steps. And he says to Big Daddy, I came to apologize. And Big Daddy goes, ah, oh, just get me a cigar. And so he lights the cigar, he puts on his robe. And Big Daddy goes to Brick. Oh, there's a bottle over there in the desk. Brick says, I don't, I don't want to drink. Oh, I don't want to drink. I've had my fill. All this time, they cut upstairs to Goober showing Big Mama all these papers. I mean, there are a gazillion legal papers. Goober is a lawyer. And so uh, Big Daddy goes, well, I do. Here's to my last birthday. And then clickety-click. And... um. 
so Big Daddy's looking around him because the, the place is just crates and crates and crates. I'm going to open all these boxes before I die. And Brick goes, you can't buy back your life. And um, Big Daddy goes, are you feeling sorry for you or for me? And, and Brick says, for you, Papa. Because in Papa, instead of Big Daddy. And then Big Daddy's saying how... Um, you know, people buy and buy and buy things, trying to buy life. You can't buy love. I don't want the things. It's all for you. And uh, who started to break everything up? Was that Brick or Big Daddy? No, it was Brick. Because Big Daddy, because Big Daddy was like, look, because Brick was like, you didn't, you didn't love us. And Big Daddy's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Look at all this stuff I bought. And he's like, you didn't love yeah. Mama. You didn't love Goober. You didn't love me. And he's like, um, hello. I made $10 million. He's worth $10 million in 1958. That's like a lot of money. And how many acres? Like, oh, I don't know. Because 200 I, and something acres of prime land. I'm just, all I, I hear acres, I hear work. That's That's what I hear. Yeah. You would. So, uh, the, yeah, he's like, oh, he owns all of that. And, and Brick was like, but that's just stuff. And he's like, yeah, that's that shows how much I love you. He's like, I didn't, you know what my father left me? And he gets this wicker suitcase. He was yeah. like, this, this suitcase. And you know what was in it? Nothing except for this, my dad's Spanish-American war uniform. And if he took that on Antiques Roadshow, you'd be surprised how little he'd get for it. Yeah, come on. It's it's pish posh. And he was like, my dad gave me nothing. And he goes in this whole spiel about how his dad was a hobo. And he died and he had to bury him next to the railroad tracks because he just dropped dead of a heart attack. And he was like, but you know what? He died laughing. And he's like, what was he laughing at? And Brick was like, um... Maybe because he was happy and you were by his side the whole time. And then you see Big Daddy's face kind of change. And he kind of like starts to smile. And he's like, man, I did I did love my papa. Yeah. And then Brick's like, see? That. And so it's like, oh, oh, Brick was mad because his dad loved him weird. I mean, not weird wrong according to brick right he, brick didn't feel like his dad loved him he loved things and he why do you want me to have kids and big daddy says so a part of me goes on so it you know it was all there wasn't he never felt love from big daddy um but he just didn't know big daddy's love language like the things were that's how big right. daddy because he was like i didn't have anything so i'm gonna i made sure that my kids had everything Right. And then and then Brick goes, well, men build empires uh, and the men die and the empires die, too. There's got to be some meaning. Uh, you owned us, but you do. You didn't love us. I'm like, huh. and, oh, so. OK, so Big Daddy's OK. Going, I built this place for you. Uh, and then he was talking about his dad. The first thing he remembered outside of hunger was shame. Okay, so there was a lot of heavy talk there. Right. And then right on cue, what happens, Ma? The cancer pain. The pain doubles him over. 
and he's screaming. And um, it was almost and Big Mama this- wants to go to him, but Maggie says Brick will help him. Uh, and May goes, what's he going to do down there? Run a hundred yard dash? <laughs> Kick field goals? <laughs> so then Maggie goes, I'll spit in your eye and, and I'll, I'll make you black and blue. Yeah. And she rears back to hit May. She's at it. Oh, yeah. And Goober catches her arm. So then downstairs, <laughs> it was funny. Downstairs, um, Big Daddy says, I don't want the morphine. It's better to feel everything. I've got the guts to die. Do you have the guts to live, Brick? Ooh. And then they help each other upstairs. Uh, Big Mama throws all of Goober's papers away. Yeah, she slaps them out of his hand. And she says, Maggie, what does Big Big Daddy say when he's disgusted? Maggie says, bull. Bull. <laughs> she just wants her share. So Big Daddy goes in. He says, did the storm do any damage? And somebody says, which storm? This storm outside. There was a storm (laughs) in the house. Uh, These are important looking documents. And (laughs) Big Daddy says, there's a powerful, obnoxious odor of mendacity in here. Mm, So unpleasant. At which point I put the, the count at six, but it might be a repeat. I think it's a repeat. And then Maggie says, well, I have one more present for Big Daddy. I have an announcement. A child is coming, sired by Brick out of Maggie the cat. Everybody knows she's lying. But Big Daddy looks in her eyes and he goes, this girl has life in her body. (laughs) Yes, she does. She's Elizabeth Taylor. And he says, Goober, I want my lawyer in the morning. Brick, go out and look this place over before I give it up. Ida, you want to come with me? And and then she goes, what were you two talking about down there? And, of course, May is going crazy. She's lying. You know she's lying. And Brick goes, she's not lying. The truth is desperate, and she's got it. And May just is, na- I wrote nagging, nagging, nagging. Oh, she is too much. Poor Goober. No wonder he's, he just checks out. Yeah, he checks out. He needs the morphine. He's just like, I made a horrible mistake. So Brick goes upstairs. He calls Maggie upstairs. And she goes, thanks for ba- backing me up back there. And, and Brick goes, we're through with lies and we're through with liars. Lock the door. And he throws the pillow from the couch he'd been sleeping on onto the bed, and they kiss. Yep. So, in the play... So, in the play, how did it end? In the play, I believe it ends... Well, in the play, um, Big Daddy, I don't... I don't know if Big Daddy... Because, see, Ilya Kazan was going to direct this screen because he did streetcar named desire he was gonna do this but he had um disagreements with tennessee williams because he wanted big daddy to come back in the third act so in the play i'm thinking big daddy doesn't come back in the third act so the movie kind of in the third act all of a sudden it changes and it purely becomes a like story of fathers and sons and in the play i don't think big daddy's there and at the very end um Maggie still does her lying but she goes upstairs and she locks the door 
And like a cat, she kind of corners um, Brick. And so she's kind of like, like, you have to do this. It's almost like she like blackmails him in a way. Oh. Like it, it ends much more, um, I don't, I, I guess not as hopeful. Yeah. Not on a good note. More because because in the they had said Rick had said you you agreed to go along with this charade yeah living like this and so she's going yeah you gotta you gotta make a baby in me yeah she's like yeah you gotta you gotta play your part bro (laughs) (laughs) and even if you're just going through the motions you're Paul Newman yeah so it's okay did you know that. James Dean was supposed to play this part. Yeah. And the production took so long because they had to try. They kept having to figure out how to a way to get around the censorship. And James Dean died. Yeah. Apparently, like Paul Newman got a lot of James Dean's parts. Really? Mm hmm. I don't I don't have anything else to support that. But just apparently well, I heard that Elvis Presley was offered the role and he turned it down. Ooh. 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 I, I'm guessing he turned it down because he was like, well, oh, I have to play a homosexual? I hope so because he didn't have the acting chops to do this. And did you know that Grace Kelly was supposed to play Maggie? Or Lana Turner. Oh, well, from last week. Well, Grace Kelly or had to go. Marilyn Monroe wanted it. Yeah, she wasn't up for it, but she wanted. She it. wanted it. Mm. Whole bunch of what ifs. Yeah, and and um, old timers Montgomery Clift and Robert Mitchum also turned down the role. Well, but, you know Montgomery uh, man, they Clift could have done better than Paul Newman and, and Elizabeth Taylor. I, I don't care. But Montgomery Clift really was gay. I mean, Montgomery Cliff was pretty, pretty hot stuff. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, before the the tragic um, thing where his face got all messed up. I don't know this story. Oh, yeah. Montgomery Cliff was in a crazy car accident. And Montgomery Cliff was Monty. He was best friends with Elizabeth Taylor. I did know that. Yeah, he was best friends with her. They were in that movie, A Place in the Sun. And I think we have to add that to the list. I, I yeah, I, I had uh, recently watched it before we started this podcast. Oh, it was okay. kind of why I was like, it was, yeah, it was the movie where I watched this and I was like, man, and I was telling somebody about it and they were like, this should be a podcast. Oh, that's how we started. Uh-huh. So he he's he's like really good looking. Like we have to look him up. He's kind of he's thinner than Paul. He's he's like Paul Newman's like he's really good looking, but he's also masculine. Mm-hmm. And Montgomery Clift is more like pretty good looking. Oh, like he's pretty. All right, you know that George Cooker. Did not want to direct it because the homosexual references were gone. Yeah, that's what's so weird is that like Paul Newman really wanted to play it because he wanted to play in the that the as the version of the play, and that was when there was like super homosexual stuff in it. 
And all these people really wanted to keep what was in the play. And you're like, you're like, oh, huh. Because I kind of thought, like, if you were to just tell me, I thought the opposite. I would have thought, oh, Paul Newman, he didn't want to play. He wanted it changed so that he didn't have to be gay. But it was the opposite. Everybody wanted to be gay. Well, Montgomery Clift was a pretty man. I told you so. And then he got into this horrific car accident. And really, like, they did a fantastic job putting his face back together. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. Wow, he was in From Here to Eternity, too. Yeah, he's a good-looking dude. Okay, those were my notes. So that was all I had. I thought there'd be more more um, trivia, but there wasn't. Um... Yeah. Oh, in the play, Maggie tells Brick about his father's cancer. And in the movie, the, the doctor, the no good doctor does. Oh, okay. Um, in the movie, Brick is weak because his father loved him wrong. But in the play, he's weak because he loved another man. Um oh. So what's it was nominated for a whole bunch of Oscars, but it didn't win any. It didn't win any. What did that year? I wonder. Uh, I didn't look that up, but I know Susan Hayward won Best Actress for "I Want to Live" because <laughs> uh-huh. that's an exclamation point. So I'm like, "I want to live." Hmm. Oh, well, looks like that's looks like that's all the all the stuff I have in my notes. Oh, well, me as well. I liked it. I liked it, too. Oh, the best picture was Gigi. What's Gigi about? Gigi is a musical about a French girl. Gigi sounds familiar. I think that in one of the other movies we've done, it was like, done. Isn't she, was Gigi that the French girl from American in Paris? Was this, was uh, she Gigi? I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Leslie Caron was Gigi. Yeah, from an American in Paris. Oh, okay. Yeah, she had grown into her looks a little better by then, ah. and it had Maurice Chevalier in it, and it was directed by. Vincente Minelli. Oh, Minelli. Okay, and David Niven won instead of Paul Newman. Damn, do you think that... Wait, for what movie? Lost it. It's gone now. Oh, do you... Man, I mean, Gigi won, and then... Ah, wait a second. Remember when we did American in Paris, and what did that beat? Streetcar Named Desire. Yes! Now Gigi... Beats. Oh, something's coming into focus. Cat isn't it? in a hot tin roof. Yeah, he might have been. Tennessee Williams might have been a little too on the edge for the Academy at that time. Mm, yeah. Um, David Niven won for a movie called Separate Tables. Hmm. <laughs> That's <laughs> Separate Tables. There's there's so many jokes in there. Is it about segregation? <laughs> 
I instantly well, think it's like about segregation. Daniel and her separate table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Separate tables? Well, there were no peep toe pumps in this one. None. There were no corkscrews. None. But I'm sure if you had asked the help, they would have been able to help you. Oh, they would have had a corkscrew. They would have. Yeah, that would have worked fine. So it was it was enjoyable. I thought it, I thought Elizabeth Taylor did an amazing job. Paul broke. Newman, oh my God! All you had to do was look at him. I mean, Elizabeth Taylor's heart was broken, yeah, and it was it was probably during like you know the filming of this that she found comfort in Mike Todd's best friend Eddie Fisher because that all came out right before this movie came out. Oh, really? Yes. Well, at this time, I wonder if Paul Newman was already married to... I think he was married to Joanne Woodward. And I think, you know, as everything comes out, more and more stars are accused of sexual harassment. I just, I truly believe that Paul Newman would not have been arrested, would not have been um, um, accused. You know, I think... I'm going to apply the Paul Newman theory. I'm going to apply Poppy's Denzel Washington theory to Paul Newman and be like, Joanne Woodward would have kicked his ass. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know, but I don't I'm, know. Did you see her? She, you know, I, I don't want to be mean or anything, but, oh, she's still alive. Yeah, she is. Um, and still a lovely lady. I get, yeah, she's a lovely lady. But looking at her kind of gives know. everyone hope. It does. You know? And it's, see, that's what I'm saying about him. Um, because he didn't go for the um, classic Hollywood good-looking amazingly beautiful women that's what i'm saying well it was just this woman because he married her in 1958 yeah yep i heard a story that the town where they lived in connecticut that he used to go to this ice cream shop all the time and a lady goes in and, and gets an ice cream cone and he's standing there i mean he's sitting at the counter and she gets her ice cream cone and leaves. And she comes back minutes later because she can't find her ice cream cone. <laughs> he goes, you put it in your purse. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done that. I would have done something stupid like that. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Just trying, I mean, just, just, just trying to be cool. Yeah. Just like. I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not going to. Oh I'm not going to freak out here. This is just an ordinary day buying a regular ice cream cone. <laughs> That's just a guy. It's, it's just it's a, a, just a guy. <laughs> it's not Paul Newman. Yeah. Just, just a guy. The most beautiful blue eyes I've ever seen. All right. So, Aaron. Yes. Next week. Next week. Oh, hold on a second. Vamp my stretch, stretch. Okay, so um, <laughs> I, I just assumed this was a black and white movie for some reason, which, um, but it, it's not. 
it, it, it was in color because of their eyes. I said that earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was enough. You're horrible at stretching. <laughs> I didn't do that well at all. Okay, so... <laughs> all right, for next week, we already discussed this because we're professionals. Next week, the movie we are doing is the MGM 1966. I'm going to say classic, even though I've never seen it before. I saw it when it came out. In 1966? Yeah. Starring Carl Reiner, Eva Marie Saint, Alan Arkin, Brian Keith, and Jonathan Winters. Directed by Norman Jewison. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. I remember that it was funny. So we're looking forward to a comedy. Mm-hmm. Because although Aaron had lots of quips with this one, it was not a comedy. I mean... Oh. The no-necks were pretty funny. Yeah, the no-necks and the... Um, uh, grotto cracked me up. <laughs> the, the grotto scene. Yes. Oh, this is a grotto type situation. Okay. <laughs> See, you thought all those little trips around Germany were for nothing. No, they're showing me the world. That's right, baby. Okay, thank you, listeners. And we'll see you next week for The Russians Are Coming. The Russians Are Coming.